0: This is the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 189. Uh, tonight, as always, I'm joined by Rose Shelton over there, co-host. Um, and we also have good friend and former co-writer with us at pre-2017 rockytop.com, uh, rockytoptalk.com. It's been uh, too, it's too long, I
1: don't even know what the name of the website it's we used too to
0: long. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, yeah. But yeah, it's pre 2017. That's five years ago. We left that place, man. Whew. Okay. So um, if you're a regular uh, listener or watcher or reader or something, you know that when uh, this guy's face shows up that it's time to talk about hoops. So uh, we are going to talk about hoops uh, tonight. Um, yes, that one. Uh, but uh, we're also going to talk about the Vols because, uh, you know what, the Vols uh, are doing pretty well. So we're going to talk about the Vols, we're going to talk about Kentucky, then we're going to talk about some hoops, and we might into get into uh, some other stuff too. Who knows? You know, you never know with us. So um, before we begin, though, off-topic question, um, I want you guys each to tell me not what your favorite candy is, but what your least favorite candy is and why i mean like what grosses you out the most and what never should have been made or should never be made again So for me it's candy corn i don't i i do not know what candy corn is supposed to be i mean well actually i know what it's supposed to be it's supposed to look like a piece of corn but it tastes like wax <laughs> it's the, it's like the worst thing ever. And you get a whole bag of this stuff. Um, you, you know, you can make a cool candle probably, but it tastes terrible. It's just plain paraffin, I think. Uh, so it's got some sugar in there, but, and I like sugar, but man, if somebody tries to give me a candy corn for uh, Halloween, no, keep it. I don't want it. So what, what, what do you got, Chris? Do you got a, uh, you got a, uh, Least favorite uh, candy?
2: I don't know why Twizzlers exist as a concept. <laughs> it's like, a movie. Who looked at that and went, "Hey, let's create a candy out of something that naturally just tastes horrible, but also make it so it lasts really long." Like apparently, you can like split up Twizzlers and have them last for like weeks if you really, really got like super desperate about it i can't know i don't know why you want to ration twisters unless you're like <laughs> and it's some sort of post post-apoc- post-apocalyptic like hellscape but you can if you so if so inclined um i would just let the zombies with them personally maybe you can tell them the brains that Brandon might work
0: <laughs> okay all right so chris doesn't like twizzlers i like twizzlers will do you like twizzlers you'd vote uh, up or down on twizzlers
1: I, I like Twizzlers, but I will borrow from both of yours. Uh, candy corn, every year I eat one piece of candy corn. I've had my one piece because every year I think, yeah, candy corn. Yeah, yeah. And then I eat one piece and I'm like, no, that this is, I don't like this. That hasn't changed. So my wife loves candy corn. Um, she likes the autumn mix that has little pumpkins in there. And then I, so I eat one candy corn and then I eat one pumpkin like two weeks later. Cause I'm like, well, maybe the pumpkin and no um, licorice is the answer. Uh, so in the Twizzlers, I, I'm fine with a strawberry, whatever. I would not choose it, but if, if it was like the last piece of candy in my children's Halloween tote, I would, I would eat a Twizzler, but licorice. Um, I also, I think if you're, over the age of, like, 85, you're required to like licorice because that's all you had maybe at some point in time. But also, I don't understand why it exists. Um, but my five-year-old really loves it, like, genuinely. And it's alarming to me.
0: So you're talking about, yeah. like, red licorice no the black, the black the black stuff. that is the worst yes yeah. yeah
2: so when i said twizzlers i was actually not thinking of strawberry twizzlers i was thinking of looking like black licorice twizzlers those are the first one they ran across oh
0: yeah okay i think we have a consensus yeah uh yeah. black <laughs> licorice. it's that yeah there's no reason for that except for again decoration.
2: let the zombies have it kind of looks like brains it's fine <laughs>
0: It does. Old brains. I, think, yeah. I think even the zombies are not eating that. So um, anyway, all right. So we're we're done with that. Except that uh, maybe I'll just say that the uh, the podcast is uh, sponsored by Fannie Mae. Is that backwards? It is backwards, backwards. But but backwards. I take your word
2: for it. Wait, Fannie Mae makes. <laughs> hang on, Fannie Mae makes candy.
0: Fannie, do you know? <laughs>
2: It's that looks great.
0: World, it's not the mortgage company. Chris. <laughs> when things are yes. going
1: poorly for Fannie Mae. They turn to candy. Yeah. Where's like,
2: where's it like, is it like Freddy Mac and Cheese? Like what's the other one here? <laughs> Freddy
0: Mac and Cheese. That's awesome. No. That's great. This podcast Fanny is, is a chocolatier up from the north, and they make the best chocolate. And these are actually mint meltaways, which they come in a bag, and so they've been shipped down and probably preservative. But if you have a chance to go up north and you see a Fannie Mae, you got to stop because they have the best chocolate. And I know we're on a podcast, but I don't care. I'm going to eat one, even on my microphone, and and even though I'm talking next. So, I'm going to do that. And then, just so you know, the, the, this one's all crumbly. That's bad. See, that's how old these things are. Um, I'm also going to eat some uh, Hi-Chews from over here. Uh, have you guys had these things? I don't know that I've this? had
1: those in the United States. That's big in Haiti, or uh, it was 10 years ago. But I don't know that I've had a Hi-Chew in the United States.
0: Oh, yeah, there's, there's a giant bag. I believe,
1: I can hear it. I believe, yeah, yeah.
0: It's dollar General, So Yeah, uh, I thought they were just Chinese things because that's where I first saw. Um, but yeah, they're like better Starburst, right?
1: That's a little too far, but
0: okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's talk about vaults with chocolate in our mouth. <clears throat> the Vols, they're seven and oh. Did anybody see that coming? Nope. Um, they're second in the East and only tie, tied for
1: first in the East, sir. Tied for first.
0: Well, technically I think second.
1: I, I don't care how many games Georgia has won. It zero losses. Let me have it.
0: All right. Well, let me finish my sentence. Mr. <laughs> uh, technical police. Um, second in the East only because Georgia has played one more conference game than Tennessee. He's still not buying it, if you're only listening. Will is still adamantly shaking his head. He, he, uh, he doesn't like that idea. Georgia but here's the thing. We have
1: not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, here's something we can agree on, though. Um, Vols have beaten number 17 Pitt, number 20, and these are all then numbers. Um, and when you beat somebody – They drop in the rankings, so that doesn't mean that they weren't good. Um, Number 17, Pitt. Number 20, Florida. Number 25, LSU. Number three, Alabama. All right? Those are the teams that Tennessee has beaten, plus UT Martin and Ball State, Akron. Which one? I always forget.
1: Both, both, in fact. (laughs) Okay.
0: All right. Um, Georgia. They have beaten number 11. 11, Oregon, and well, that's pretty much it, isn't it? I think that that that's really all that they've done. If I open up my mini tabs that I uh, lost earlier, I can see <laughs> that they have beaten Osamford. So shout out to the Bulldogs, because that's where my uh, uh, middle daughter is now going to school. Um, and actually I think they may have had the best game of anybody against Georgia. Uh, Kent they State only lost challenged 32. them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, South Carolina, uh, 48-7 Kent State, uh, Missouri, Auburn, Vanderbilt. They ain't played nobody. All right. So I'll just leave that there. Um also, Hendon Hooker is the uh, feature image on uh, ESPN's current Heisman Watch article. We saw that. Um, and as we said, the, the joke is that, you know, we just got to figure out who he's going to finish second to. Uh, the Tennessee River has two new goalposts in it. Um, that's they both, a cool they both down
2: there?
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm okay. figuring that down there.
2: I know,
0: one of them, I know one of them got down there. I didn't realize the other one made it down. Cool. Nobody knows where it's at. So maybe it's at Gus's. I don't know. But, yeah, there was a lot of work, to I break those things into pieces and get them into the river. You have to ask Alyssa Lang. She was the one who was snorkeling down there to find them. Um, basically, things are uh, pretty good on Rocky Top. So let me ask you guys. Um among all of these happy things happening to football which one is your favorite and why go will
1: so so uh, my favorite is is like my children i cannot pick just one the whole the whole of it is my favorite but uh, i'll say this even if we were at the other side and we were all riding four times a week there would be stories that we would miss because there's so much that happens with this team. And there's so many, you know, we're all riding on adrenaline and haven't had these feelings in however long that uh, you mentioned Hooker uh, on the athletic straw poll. When we say he's leading the Heisman, when the athletic did their straw poll for the Heisman this week, uh, pulled their writers and that sort of thing. Hooker got 35 out of 38 first place votes. Wow! So, like, not not just leading the clear front runner among that publication or website, anyway. So, I feel like when we talk about that, and we're rightfully so, I'd much rather talk about the team than the individual stuff. Uh, I haven't paid any attention to the Heisman Trophy in 25 years, and if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you haven't either. But I think the lead, the lead of Oh, he's the front runner. Like, no, man, if it was given out today, like he's on a national conversation level right now, he's so far ahead that it brings back some of the bad feelings of 25 years ago where it was a little earlier in the season where Peyton Manning was so far ahead. I feel like the Woodson stuff was created to fill the vacuum of there's nothing to talk about who's going to beat this guy. Now that was early October for Manning, and this is late October for Hinden, and everything about his candidacy anyway is is gonna. Uh, if we win the next two weeks, he's gonna win the Heisman Trophy. So, you know, that's at that point there there would be no stopping this thing or anything like that. If we split um, and Ohio State goes undefeated, I think he's probably gonna come in second. So the 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 interesting components would be if both teams are eleven and one, if Tennessee and Ohio State. <laughs> 11 and one how do you rate that but right now anyway um he's far and away uh, at least uh, on those you know publications we like and trust consider the best and i I just feel like that is an underrated storyline among tennessee fans because we're so busy talking about the team and and again all that rightfully so that somehow we're missing hey people think we have by far the most impactful player in college football so that's pretty great.
0: That is pretty great. Chris? Yeah.
1: So, um, on the Hen and
2: Hooker thing briefly, I think that if we split Kentucky and Georgia, um, and even if Ohio State goes 12 0, you could look at how the split happens and create a pretty reasonable argument for like, how he could still win the Heisman. Like the basic version of that may be like, oh, well, he hurt his shoulder in the week two against Kentucky, but came back and passed for 487 yards against Georgia and 12 touchdowns or something might, that's like not nearly as insane as it would have sounded two years ago. Um, and there's a scenario there where if you know, if that happens and for some reason we would split Kentucky-Georgia, but not in the way we think we do, or in this case we might lose to Kentucky but beat Georgia, where he would have the best two wins in the border for the season and it wouldn't be particularly close, depending on how you feel about Penn State. <laughs> um, and I think there's an argument there where he could still win the Heisman. Um I think broader, what I like about this team is how the setup looks sustainable. Um I kind of figured that Hypol's teams are gonna have a high floor. They run a lot of plays, so they tend to, it tends to reflect the talent pool. What did we learn? And what did we learn last year about? Kind of what this team does to opponents that aren't on their level they just kind of beat the crap out of them in like a quarter and a half and call it a day um which if you go back to like the lsu game for example is kind of terrifying because i did not realize they were actually that like that was the game i'm like oh wait a second this is real got it okay um because remember florida this year right was turning over was turning over a new coach the game is cursed the game was almost not cursed, and then it got cursed in the last forty-five seconds, and we don't to talk about that anymore. Um, but you look at that LSU game, and you're like, oh, this is over. It's like twelve forty-five Eastern, and like, the game's <laughs> over. Okay, I didn't think that was going to happen. All right. Um, and now, thanks to LSU beating Ole Miss, Akron has a transitive win over Miss, over has a transitive point differential based win over Ole Miss um if you look at all the appropriate scoring appropriate scoring words which is now kind of now kind of entertaining um but what is sustainable is um is the scheme in a lot of ways um you know Cedric Tillman's been out for weeks and nobody's it hasn't really impacted a whole lot of offense to any degree that we were expecting um I think which tells which tells me a couple of things that are really useful. Which is that this team's still going to have a high floor when after Hooker, after Enanuk graduates. So do I think that you know we'd be sitting here going, oh yeah, no, they might go twelve and next year. I don't know because I don't know yet what like elite elite quarterback play does to the ceiling and if that is repeatable. Heupel has normally had very good quarterbacks, but not necessarily elite quarterbacks. And I don't know what the difference is there. I don't know enough to know like okay has he turned this from like a seven and five floor to a nine and three floor like has he figured out has he figured out scheme in that sense um i think the defense is about what i would expect um so like we're pretty like obviously you'd like a better past events, right? But you know, that aside, like, this is, this is about as good as we can hope for, which, right, cool, we're in contention for the network and in contention for the playoff. Who would have thought we were going to be saying that this time three months ago? Um, but even if that isn't happening, right, like, it's not hard to look at this year, next year, and go, oh, yeah, no, New Year Six, that, that's actually, like, not entirely unrealistic. That's pretty cool. Right, the idea that the desert may actually finally be behind us. It's kind of yep.
0: nice. Yep. All right, so let's talk about uh, Kentucky for a minute. Um, Kentucky, coming up this week, uh, probably our second biggest game remaining, right? Um, they South Carolina are... is ranked. And what? South Carolina
2: is ranked now, by the way. <laughs>
0: They are ranked? Okay, so we get another ranked win. <laughs> it's, it's funny how fast we can get cocky. Yeah. Give it, yeah. So, so anyway, um, so Kentucky is not especially good on offense, but some of that um, may be, well, I'm sure, to some, to some degree, that's because quarterback uh, Will. Excuse me. Um, too much Fannie Mae and high shoes. Um, Will Levis, uh, is, is, he spent some time on the bench. He's been playing with problems. I mean, like injuries. Um, so they haven't been at full steam for some of these things. Um, so the, the offense is – Not particularly scary unless you look at our secondary uh, by comparison, you know, Um, but their defense, however, is not to be taken lightly, not to be overlooked. Um, So I think, let's see, they're number nine uh, in the, in the nation, 16 points a game Um, total defense. That's in scoring defense. Total defense is uh, number 14, 295 yards per game. Um, I just, uh, I'd run the uh, hat guy and you know, it. we're scoring 50 points a game, which, remember when it used to be a cool thing when yeah, we, we hung half a hundred on them, right? That's bad Steve Spurrier, but you know what I mean? Half a hundred was, was a big thing, right? We're, we're averaging half a hundred. That's wild. Uh, I love that. So anyway, um, the problem is Kentucky's scoring defense is 16, uh, which sounds like, uh oh, okay. You know, you got one of the, you got the, uh, the unstoppable power against the immovable force, whatever whatever that thing is. But the thing is, the closest comp uh, to that uh, is Alabama. Alabama is also uh, um, only only allowing 16 points a game. Uh, LSU, 21 points a game. So when you look at those, uh, Tennessee's basically getting two and a half times the amount uh, of even what good defenses um, bring up uh, allow. So, Um, The problem then becomes when you look at things from Kentucky's uh, standpoint, um, uh, our our defense is is 23. Um, That's how many points we give up. Um, It's like Miami, Ohio, and Mississippi State, which is kind of depressing to hear. Um, And Kentucky actually scored 37 and 27 against those teams. So, They are um, expected to get 32 points um, on offense and 32 points on uh, defense. So when you run it from – here's the bottom line. When you run it from our perspective, the score is anticipated to be Tennessee 40, Kentucky 17. No problem. But when you run it from Kentucky's, uh, the two teams are tied at 32. So when you combine those, um, what Hat Guy says is is the line for him is that it's 36 Tennessee and 25 Kentucky, a line of 11 uh, in Tennessee's favor. And that Tennessee only gets 36 points. So, my question to you I think the line, do, do you know the line? Have you looked at it? Um, it was one your... nine and
2: then I've seen either nine and a half. We were up by somewhere anywhere between nine and a half to 11 last I saw. Okay, so it, it opened a nine be, and a half and it went up from there.
0: Right, it seems to be tracking pretty good. Um, so my question to you guys is, um, do the vols get? 40 points. Remember, they're averaging 50, but they're playing a good defense, but that defense is basically as good as Alabama's, and we scored 52 52? 52 uh, against Alabama. So does Tennessee get 40 points uh, this weekend against Kentucky or not? How about you first, Chris? Chris?
2: So apparently the line is Tennessee by thirteen. Now, by the way, oh, Uh, if you're wondering what the facial reaction was a second ago, that was me looking at the line going, "Oh man, that's that's moving." Um, I actually don't think we cross forty because I think we pack it in early. This would be my suspicion. Mm -hmm. Um, So you look at like the Kentucky Kentucky game from last year. Tennessee basically. This is the quintessential like up the football football tennis game where you get up a break and then you just kind of serve it out from there. So we got up to, we got up by two scores early and basically just like volleyed the back, volleyed it back until the end of the game. in that scenario, I think that Kentucky team is probably not quite as good as this iteration of the Kentucky team. Um, so it feels like it's a 38, 27 kind of deal, but it's one of those things where it's like 20, four ten at half something like that where it doesn't and like kentucky's struggled to move kentucky's been struggling struggling to move the ball so it doesn't really feel like it's it doesn't feel like it's really gonna get out of hand um and it just kind of like putters along at this like margin where it's not really in doubt but not like you can go to bed and not worry about it. It's kind of what it feels is what it feels like for me, at least.
0: All right. So confession for me, I, I like football, <laughs> which you would expect. Um, but I like never finish games early. I don't leave early. I don't turn off the TV early because I'm thinking you're guaranteed 12 games a year. There's not that many snaps. You should enjoy every one of them. Um, But I have to say it was hard for me. I actually didn't make it all the way through the UT Martin game. I'm confessing right now Um, because by the time you got to the end, man, it was, I think they put in the third quarterback and, uh yeah, that, that was just to, to, to get up as, as quick as we did for, for the half. Uh, I enjoyed watching some of the uh, some of the other players in the second half, but then man, that was uh, I never thought that it would get um, hard, hard, hard to watch, not really hard to watch. just like other games became more entertaining. And that was a new phenomenon for me. Uh, because even when we were losing on the, you know, on the losing end of those things, I would watch the guys. I'd, I'd, I'd be looking for the guys and say, you know, how are they handling adversity? Are they um, growing as as people through failure and all this stuff? And I, I would watch to see how kids were reacting. Um, uh, this one, it was like, OK, well, you know, we're just resting now. I don't know why I brought that up. Will. Um, do we score 40 points or not?
1: Well, let me say first, a a phenomenon we haven't had for a long time when you're in the national championship chase, truly in the, about the third quarter, Clemson and Syracuse became the most important action for Tennessee more than what is Tennessee's third string doing against UT Martin. So yeah, I, I didn't watch the last quarter and a half. Because Tennessee would have been more uh, impacted by can Syracuse pull off this upset than yeah. you know, what, what their third string guys do. So that's a lot of fun, man, to be able to, to you know, these games, the games that matter nationally matter for us, uh, which is which is a great thing.
0: Yeah, I think I Tennessee's a course- little disloyal is all I don't know, a little disloyal. But that's exactly what I did. I was like, OK, let's see if uh, we can get Clemson out of the picture.
1: Yeah, that's that's not disloyalty. That's that's advanced. You know, it's analytics loyalty. Maybe to be like, <laughs> this is the most important thing for my team right now. Right, this um, is good
0: therapy for me. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I'm here for. Confession's good for the soul. Um, I think Tennessee scores forty because that's just what Tennessee does right now. Um, I think the last last year's game with Kentucky is really interesting because. On the one hand, you've got it as if you're going to beat Hypel's team and you set aside the we're going to stop them, maybe Georgia can still have that conversation with itself. But Kentucky, I don't feel like Kentucky, its I don't feel like it's a rational conversation to say Kentucky's defense is just going to come in here and shut all this down. that That seems crazy to me. But they didn't shut anything down last year. In this game and they still almost won so i, I think that is a, a really interesting picture of the tennessee kentucky game last year there was one punt one we punted one time kentucky never punted they had long drives uh, we stopped them on fourth down multiple times but uh, that model is intriguing to me so i don't think The answer to all of my, uh, we'll talk about this in a second. I know my worries and concerns uh, about Kentucky. I think Kentucky's good. I think there are legitimate things out there. But then when you go back and look at who we've already played, I I just don't see unique cause for alarm. And I just don't feel like next week, uh, I think. Uh, it would be a little irrational on our part to say, oh, definitely we're going to score 40 on Georgia. How could you suggest that we won't unless we're packing it in early? But this week, I just uh, I just think this is what we do now. Uh, not Maybe not forever. We'll see. I don't, don't want to get greedy. But I just don't see it. We didn't – Tennessee's offense was at – play for play was at its tip-top best against this team last year. So I, I just I just don't see I, I don't I don't see it uh, I don't see Kentucky slowing it down this year.
0: So if we get that result, how big is that Georgia game? It's gonna be huge.
1: It would it would be different. Biggest means different things to different people. But on paper, even if we don't go to two, even if it's one versus three, it would be the biggest regular season game. In Tennessee history, from that perspective, from the numbers next to the names. The only thing bigger would be the, the BCS title against Florida State. Because the playoff is four teams and not the BCS or pre BCS model of two teams, it may not end up being as impactful for the national championship as Tennessee Florida 2001 was. But That's, just yeah, that was what I was. That was actually where I was
2: about to go with that. I'm like, is this the next? Is this like, where does this rank relative to 2001 Tennessee
1: Florida? Yeah, if and we and, win this week. And we said this, Joel. I think we said this last week on the podcast. When you're trying to rate the Alabama win, some of it is just the calendar because that Florida game was in December. You knew all the stakes for a hundred percent. You knew exactly what that game was going to mean. And uh, with Georgia. If we win, if both teams win Saturday, the Georgia game will certainly carry this air of the loser is still in it. So it just depends on how you look at it. But on paper, one, it doesn't even need to be one versus two, one versus three. If you're just looking for the numbers next to the name, we don't have anything like that in our regular season, regular season history. Um, So, so, yeah, I mean, that's why tickets for that are going, you know, 600 bucks or whatever they're going to, to try to get in that place.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think they're more than that because I've looked. And by the way, me begging for tickets to the Alabama game—you know how many people emailed me to offer me tickets? Just want to guess? I'm going to say zero. It was zero. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> right,
2: well, I, <laughs> I feel better now about not about trying not to scrounge up a ticket for that one. Though. Great.
0: <laughs> it's like nobody likes me. Um, okay, so we, we want to leave time for hoops. So let's let's shift into uh, a hypo drive here. and um, uh, what, what's your uh, biggest fear against Kentucky? And then how big of a fear is it? And is there anything else you want to say about Kentucky that you can say quickly? Will?
1: Uh, we have only seen two. Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez together at the same time games. Uh, One of them uh, just happened against uh, Mississippi state. uh, and, And obviously they got the win there. The other is Ole Miss. What do we make of that Ole Miss game now? That's a game where Kentucky had opportunities to win that were taken away by their own hand. Ole Miss just got their pants beat off by LSU after going up 14 to three. And we did the same thing to LSU when we played them down there. So that outcome, that Ole Miss Kentucky game at the time to me felt significant for us. Here's a, a Kiffin runs, similar tempo, got a quarter, you know, he's not Hendon hooker, but they've got an efficient, basically efficient quarterback, got some talent, more talent than Kentucky Kentucky's, mucking it up and and all that stuff. And Ole Miss is able to sneak out with a, you know, a low scoring win. That felt really um, informative at the time to me. Now I'm not really sure what to do with it. Uh, You know, because Kentucky had the opportunity to beat that Ole Miss team and didn't largely of their own making, does that mean anything for us? And every the biggest fear you can come up with against Kentucky. And this is going to be true when we talk about South Carolina or anybody else on the schedule. That's not Georgia. We beat Alabama. So when I'm like, Oh, Chris Rodriguez, is he the best back we've played? No. Cause we've played Alabama. Levis. Is he like the most efficient? No, we played Bryce young, like not even a hundred percent Bryce. So, uh, Again, not not Georgia, but all these other teams on the schedule that win over Alabama uh, just creates things where you say, well, if we did it to them. Why can't we do it to to this group? So uh, if I'm a Kentucky fan, I'm telling myself right now, you know, well, when we got all our guys eligible and healthy offensively we can go blow for blow with them because we did it last year. We do it differently, but drive for drive, where as Chris said, it's a tennis match. We're doing all of that. Um, but the Alabama, when you say we got cocky in a hurry, we beat Bama. Like this is what happens. And so I, I just, um, especially in Knoxville uh, and it's, it's been, I think amusing is the word I want to use. It's been amusing to find that Kentucky fans still kind of have the bad vibes about playing in Knoxville because i mean what happened the last time they were here we wrote about this this week that's still the, that's tennessee's uh, biggest underperformance against the spread in 40 years they beat us 34 to 7 the last time they were in Knoxville but it was the covid year and no you know crowds are down and all that and so the kentucky fans i know anyway are, No one's beating their chest saying we went in there and crushed them in their own house. Two years ago, we can do it again. It's like, even for them, it doesn't really. And we know some of that, right? It takes more than once winning in the swamp to feel like you're going to go in there and do it again or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I get the arguments. I think Kentucky is really solid. I get the arguments. I don't know what to do with the Ole Miss outcome anymore and we beat Bama. So like, I, I know that's not hard hitting analysis, but I just don't. I'm. I. I think those guys are good, but we've already beaten clearly better and more talented. So I, I'm. Yeah. All
0: right, Chris.
2: Uh, the probably more likely fear. Uh, Will Levis passes four and fifty yards. I have no idea if this means Kentucky wins or not. I just. We don't want to see Will Levis highlights on every single piece of NFL draft coverage for the next five months after that, because we have a good team. I don't have to watch Tennessee on the reverse end of these highlights anymore. It's kind of nice. Um, the way less rational fear, uh, Henry Hooker gets injured in the first quarter. Um, if it matters, if he's out for the game, again, if same thing i mentioned before right even if we lose this game right we still we still have it all to play for there's no margin margin of error after that um but like that's the that's the concern i would have um i'm not worried about losing to kentucky and having that like derail this season um part of that is like when you look at you know where we were in august right if someone's like hey 10 and 2 is the ceiling like all right well we got to 10 and 2 how do we get to 10 and 2 a really weird way Well, we got to 10 and 2 um like that's still pretty cool right that still means like new Year's Six fold. that's pretty cool um does it feel like a disappointment from where we're at right now yeah sure were we not in the, did we'll literally not just talk about getting housed by kentucky two years ago <laughs> like it's okay to be happy with that um so i'm so what would cause problems there right is if there's some if there's something that like pulls all of that from our from our grasp that would happen in this game and the only thing really that lines up with all of those would be like some sort of catastrophic injury
0: all right uh let's do the win total machine uh just real quick um as you mentioned last week will when you get toward the end of the season not that we're actually at the end but you know Toward when you have so much fixed results, um, things sort of start to settle in. But what are we seeing from uh, this week's uh, data so far?
1: What we learned this week because we've only been running the win total machine since 2017, so we don't even we don't have the 20 first half of 2016 to say here's how we react and look forward. Um, that was a fun question going into the Alabama game: is uh, would we? Would our total have been higher after LSU this year or after the Hail Mary in 2016 and all that stuff? But we're way past even that now. What we learned this week is if you let people do the win total machine the Monday after you beat Alabama, it messes with your stuff a little bit. (laughs) So, so far, even taking out the 99s and all that, someone in the comments today said, can they put 98? Like, we we might leave 98 in. Um, the numbers are going to go down. All all your relevant numbers: chances to beat Kentucky, chances to beat Georgia, overall win total. All of those are down a hair uh, here on Tuesday evening compared to last week. Um, let let's uh, let's give Chris. if I set you up? Let's let's give South Carolina a little credit for beating Texas A&M. That maybe hey. that's maybe that's in the calculate. I I'd have to go back and look. Maybe there's a little bit of saying um, we beat uh, South Carolina is number twenty five. They could, you know, are we feeling, are we, f- <laughs> are we feeling worse about South Carolina, or are we just, you know, living off the uh, the Bama stuff here?
2: I'm sitting here looking at the Ole Miss Texas a And M Texas a And M game that's slated to kick off at seven thirty on Sat seven thirty on Saturday. To our point about what. Games might come on if our game turns into an absolute laughter because unlike Joel, I will absolutely watch other games. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be a good game. Matter of fact, I'm reasonably certain it will not be a good game. Will it be an entertaining game in some form or fashion? Yes, absolutely. Oh my god, it will be absolutely. Thank God we didn't hire Jimbo anyway.
1: <laughs> but that the the answer to the question is last, last week we were seventy five percent to beat Kentucky. Right now it's about seventy two percent. Last week, we were 43% to beat Georgia. This week, it's 39 and change. Some of that, uh, you know, let's give Oregon some credit. Some of that may be transitive property of that Oregon win. Uh, looks great for Georgia now. It's, it's hard to take week one. Uh, so the total number last week was 10.72. It's at about 10.68 right now. So most of that, again, is don't let people near the win total machine right after we beat Alabama. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, see. and, and some of the, again, not to, we're way past making fun of Vanderbilt at this point in, in, where our team is right now, but because Vanderbilt is your last game, that kind of messes with the win total machine too, of even though we still have five regular season games left to play, one of them's Vandy. So it kind of, you know, that's, that's in the mix there a little bit too, but that regardless of the outcome of the next two weeks, that boundary setting of, and Chris mentioned this too, like. The, the the outcomes as this thing gets kind of squeezed in towards ten or eleven wins, I mean, those are still really good outcomes. The longer you stay in the national championship conversation, the more it's going to hurt when you have to exit that conversation. But nonetheless, we talked about this on the podcast last week. I feel better right now. I feel better about two thousand one LSU than I have in you know twenty years because. When you're good, when your national championship conversation good, you can just say to yourself, "By God, we'll get them next time." And so I think that's it's going to hurt whenever Tennessee exits the playoff conversation, if they do, or if they make the playoff and they lose, that's going to hurt too. But you're going to have, you know, you're back to short-term pain is increased significantly, but long-term pain. If, if you think we can win these games, long-term pain is, you know, you just pivot to we'll get them next time. So that's, uh, I'll take that trade every day.
2: That was um, an amazing basketball transition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, there's uh, the, talk about the NCAA tournament. Six, you know, maybe as a, as a, a variable in that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's the same thing. Of I don't, I watched six minute uh, John Calipari. Have you guys seen the thing about the the coal miner that came to their practice or came to their exhibition? Have you guys oh, seen that? No. This yeah. guy, it's, it's a great photo. This guy came like straight from the coal mine in his minor outfit with the reflective tape on. He's got the, this beard. he's dirty and he's got his little kid at the game and he, you know, they've tracked the guy down. He was like, yeah, he left the mine. He didn't have time to do anything else. He went and got his kid, took him to a rep arena, took him to the game. So everybody's like, we got to find this guy and do all that. And Calipari's, uh, great grandfather was a coal miner or something, something like that. I not 90 minutes ago, I watched Calipari talk about that for six minutes. I really enjoy listening to John Calipari talk. Do you know why? Cause we beat him about twice as much as he beats us these days. So like I can listen to that guy talk all day. It's pretty great. So yeah, when you, when you win, um, you know, it's, it, the, the losses are going to hurt more. If you're if you are a young Tennessee fan and you have stumbled across our website or, or found us somewhere, I don't know what what I don't know what the 18-year-olds are are how they're coming across game day on rockytop.com. But if you're a young Tennessee fan and that win over Alabama was your first big thing, let me let me warn you, it's gonna hurt real bad when we lose. Cause that's part of the deal. Um, but also you're gonna tell yourself by God, we'll get them next time. Uh, and and that in basketball, more often than not, that's been exactly the case.
0: So let's move on to hoops then. Um, um, so y'all know I've been um, a little scarce, uh, just busy and stuff. And So you'll probably not be surprised that uh, I'm a little behind on uh, basketball. So, um, Will, um, I'm going to do a Michael Scott here and say, would you please – you know, I I know everything that I need to know about the 22-23 football season, but just for the sake of the audience – um, can you explain to me, like I'm a five-year-old, uh, who the team is? What, what should we expect from them? Are they going to pick up where they left off? Who are the new players? Who's gone? Yeah, pretend I'm five.
1: So if you were five, this would be the first time in your entire life that John Fulkerson was not on Tennessee's roster.
0: <laughs>
1: so he's gone. He's, I believe he's in Belgium. Um, but he's he is uh, graduated. Kennedy Chandler is... is him.
0: I'm sorry, the last time I saw him was in the Knoxville airport and he was smelling pals on me. So That's right,
1: yes, when you had the uncomfortable eye contact. So, uh, <laughs>
0: yes.
1: so maybe he was on his way. I don't know what the flight plan from Knoxville to Belgium is, but uh, maybe he was on he's his way still,
2: he's, he's probably still in the airport getting fridge drinks from anybody who walks by or, like... <laughs> I, I'm actually amazed. Like he even went to go find a job. Like he could have just hung out in Knoxville for how many years and like not had to worry about anything.
1: Yeah. that's what I, I think about that for Dane Bradshaw sometimes. Where I'm like, I'm glad you found a thing. Like I think he's good at it. I enjoy when Dane is on he's commentary really or whatever. But I'm yeah. like, if you ever just don't want to do this, I'm sure you could just come back here and just hang out, and it'll be fine, you know, and all that. So, um, so yeah, no, Folky Kennedy Chandler is is the big. Variable, I think here because it's not that Tennessee Tennessee traded a five star for a five star. Uh, uh, Kennedy Chandler is uh, on the grizz. he's on the roster. I don't uh, I don't think he's played yet uh, in a regular season, but he's on a roster. Um, Tennessee traded him for Julian Phillips, who is a 5 star freshman. Um, Point guard? No, six eight um, forward. There are rumblings. So, so if you go down the list of these guys with Barnes, you got Josiah, who uh, came in and was was not. I, I think people, you know, there was a thought that he underperformed as a freshman, and now he's like the glue of of all of this and an all conference player and everything. But you got Josiah, then you got the COVID year. You have got Keon and Springer, um, who were really great some nights. That whole year is weird, anyway. Then you've got Chandler. So you've, you've had kind of pro- of, a, of a progression of here's what these freshmen mean to these Rick Barnes teams at Tennessee. So you got some rumblings that Phillips is as good and could be as impactful as any of these guys, which is significant because Kennedy Chandler was was really, really impactful for Tennessee last year. Yep. So that's the trade you've made. Everybody uh, – and, and Folky's gone. Everybody mm-hmm. else is back. So you've got a question about uh, what are we doing at point guard? You've got Zakai Ziegler. You've got uh, Santiago Vescovi. Tennessee brought in a transfer uh, from uh, – a grad transfer from Indiana State named Tyreek Key, who is a, a scorer, a scoring guard. They've been trying him at point guard in practice some. Um, so there's there's some conversation there about, you know, could he – If you're trying to do lineups, you know, if you're trying to figure out what's the group of guys that that are going to help get things done, if you play points, that allows you to keep – that allows you to make Vescovy your assassin shooter off the ball, all that stuff. So there's, you know, certainly some possibility there that that works out. You've also – BJ Edwards is a local Knoxville kid that's a freshman too that's a point guard. We'll see if he gets in the mix. But anyway, all the other guys, Josiah, Vescovy, Ziegler – uh, Olivier Kamwa is back. There's a whole separate conversation to be had about, look, to me still, Tennessee lost to Michigan because they they went iceberg from the three-point line after being as good, as, it, as good at the three ball as they'd ever been for weeks. It just all went away. That, to me, is the Michigan loss in a sentence. Barnes still, you know, Barnes talks about with that game that they didn't have post – they didn't have interior – Scoring, now you got Urosh, he's back too. Um, Folky's gone, but you've got Olivier, of course, was hurt and didn't play in that game, so he's in the mix. you got Urosh still, you've got young guys, Jonas, Jonas Adu. I love, I love saying his name in the southern. Jonas Adu, uh, is, is still, you know, he's a sophomore now. What are we doing here? Um, Jemiah another guy coming up, but you, you've you got uh, at the end of games, Zakai Vescovy, Josiah. Olivier and your five star freshman or your grad transfer scorer. Like you've got five or six guys that make a really compelling closing lineup at the end of games. Uh, I'll say all that. And I'll say that in Pomeroy, in preseason projections, Tennessee projects to have the best team they've ever had in Ken Palm. Slightly better than the 2019 group. That ain't bad. Uh, Tennessee and Ken Palm is behind preseason projections is behind Kentucky. We play them twice, Texas. We play them and Gonzaga, who we scrimmage on pay-per-view on Friday night.
0: Pay-per-view. Is that a scrimmage?
1: It's a scrimmage. It's a non real. So like I'm going to watch, and then I'm going to be emotionally conflicted about what any of it means. Like can can we have
2: discussions about how to watch that game after the stream is officially recorded? (laughs) after these games officially ended
1: yes, yeah because yes. i have sure some questions can,
2: yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's interesting i don't i wouldn't expected ken Palm would have this team as its best because i don't know so last year right chandler clearly was going to be like the functional alpha on the team i don't know who that is this year like is it the Scobie? is it is it like i don't think it's Josiah jordan Day, jordan james like it file rights probably should be, but I don't know if he has it in him. I don't know if he has it in him. Um, I think that's going to be the thing to watch. For. I don't know.
0: No, You're... not for our pur- Not for these purposes. Oh no, <laughs> man, he, he'll get he'll get after anybody.
2: He'll get he after might, somebody. Not... I don't know if I want the ball. I don't know he... if I want everything running through him late, late <laughs> in the game. No, no,
0: no, no. no, no you know, you, you just want the like... emotions running through him. But he, uh, well,
2: yeah. yeah, but you could also have you know Ziegler. I don't, I don't think Z like I don't think Ziegler's the right guy to be like. I just I don't know who I don't know who that is, and it's not I don't know like it's not obvious to me. Wills or anybody that like jumps out to jumps out to you as like this is going to be like the guy who's going to be they'd call the play like you need a bucket. Who do you call like who do you call the play for? Who's involved? That sort of like how does that line up?
1: Yeah, I, that's the right question is at the end of the game, we need a bucket. What do we do? Tennessee last year, if y'all remember, didn't play those situations hardly ever. They had the crazy comeback at the end of the Texas game where Josiah had the open – was it a transition three or an out-of-bounds three that didn't go in, and then he was like hot from three for the rest of his life after that. But we, we just didn't play a lot of last possession games. We played games that were tight, and then Tennessee pulled away at the end. But we just we didn't have a lot of, we got to have this bucket on this possession. I, I think that still would have been Kennedy Chandler, which is problematic because he's not on the team anymore. I, I, but I, I wonder about that if, like Rick Barnes, especially at Tennessee, is not a clear out and go to the five-star freshman guy if he was, we would have seen Keon and Jaden Springer would have had more of those kind of opportunities It's a COVID year. But so like, I don't think it's going to be, we, we need to watch Julian Phillips play. Like let's, let's start there. We need to watch him play, but um, I don't think it's going to be him. So then, but the flip side of that is I like that, you know, last year we kind of had how many different players can lead this team in scoring over the course of, of the year. So I don't know that there is an answer to that question, and that is that's definitely a, a put a pin in that. But I'm not a. We didn't have to have the answer to that question much last year, and Tennessee again, you know, pre-Michigan was playing the best basketball maybe that Tennessee has ever played. So it's it's the right question. I just don't know if it, if it has a right answer right now.
2: Yeah, and I think it worked with Chandler. Last year, because you could still give him the ball, and he may not be the one taking the shot, but like he's also the guy who can find the guy. Yeah, like you still, like you still, the ball is would still, like the ball is still going to be in like Ziegler's hands, right? But is there going to be somebody playing like eight feet off of him, going, "All right, man, put it up"? (laughs) (laughs) Like we're just going to cover these lanes. Um, And I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that to that question. Um, I will also say if Phillips is like actually replacing Kennedy Chandler, it's going to be something where we look at each other in like, I don't know, early, mid-December and go, yep, he's here for a year. Cool. (laughs) Uh, Because it was plainly obvious. I want to say the Colorado game was really what split out for me last year. (laughs) I was like, all right, well, cool. Nobody could stop him.
0: Let's enjoy it. Yep. All right. So I love that question so much that I want to actually, since neither one of you actually gave an answer, I want to make (laughs) us all guess okay so everybody has to pick one and then one of us can uh you know claim that we were right later on unless we all miss in which case we'll never bring this up again so uh, i'm gonna guess that it's uh kamwa and i'm gonna say that because he's in the position that that barnes likes he wants to play inside out um i thought his first year he he kind of looked, he kind of moved like Grant Williams a little bit, but he just wasn't like that good. But his progression from his first year to last year, when he got aggressive all of a sudden, um, he's he can really be dynamic. And if he's improved again this year, um, I think the ball, I, I think the play at the end of the game to win is going to be designed to go into him. Now, it's going to have to touch a point guard or somebody to pass it in first. But I think the play is going to go into him, and then he's either going to make a move or he's going to kick it out if they collapse on it. That's my guess.
1: I'm I'm taking Vescovy. Just versatility. Um, They Because of Chandler and then Ziegler, he didn't have to do much dribble creation, you know, that sort of stuff last year. And, and before those guys were around, <clears throat> you know, he's, he was, he, he went to the rim a lot. It wasn't a lot of fruitfulness for him or for Tennessee's offense when he did that. But he, I mean, he's not afraid like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to take Vescovy just purely for, I know he can do X number of things in the offense and that I think is a longer list. I'm probably shortchanging Josiah a little bit, um, but again, I just I don't think he's been asked to do the things that Vescovy wasn't asked. He was like, get off this plane and be the point guard for this team now. <laughs> so, like, maybe I would love to have a conversation for, hey, remember those those reps uh, in whatever? I mean, what was that in February of 2020? Those reps are helpful in February of 2023. So I'm just, that's just purely uh, utility. I- I'll take Vescovy.
0: Yes. For
2: what it's worth, I think, I think Will's right. Um, but to give you a different answer, I'm actually going to say Keith. Um, under the thought process of they try to run an action for like they try to put him through like the full-blown Steph Curry, we're going to run you around 25 picks until we get somebody loose action. And it just doesn't work. And in the meantime, while Vescovi is running down here, like Key somewhere like unguarded, ten feet on the other side, and so Ziegler catches Ziegler would catch him for a pass in that scenario. Um, James would probably be the be the screener in that option, and I don't really know the fifth person is Kamwa, sure. <laughs> um, but I actually think it, I can see Key. I can see Key being the one taking taking that taking that last shot if like Viscopy would not be available in that scenario.
0: All right. Uh, well, we got just a few minutes left, so if you guys want to uh, keep riffing on uh, hoops, uh, go right ahead. I'm going to have another high-chew.
1: I'll say this, like, again, to make the point about not being in end-of-game situations, and maybe it'll come back to bite us. When Tennessee lost that game to Texas last year, it was January 29th. Tennessee was 14-6. and six. Uh, They lost uh, – we won an over a super hideous overtime game against Ole Miss uh, that involved Ole Miss turning oh. it over like almost 30 times. Uh, there was a game that I did not see, but I was warned by many, including Chris, not to watch. That was an overtime loss to Texas Tech uh, in, in New York that apparently- hey, I
2: actually, I said, I think I said watch that game. I think, it, but I think I said watch that game because Texas
1: Tech defense was absurd. The, the shooting, uh, there, weren't there like they used a different ball or something? There was There was a lot of the, weirdness.
2: No, the shooting was horrible, to be clear. But like Texas Tech's defense that game was one of the best, like on a string defense, like on a string defenses at a college level that I've seen or that I saw all last year. Um, but ev- there was no space.
1: Everything in Tennessee's first two thirds of the regular season was, other than those kind of weird close games, they got blown up by Villanova, then they blew North Carolina out. Arizona which we'll talk about this more in a second. They had a huge lead on Arizona and then held on to it and won by four. Kentucky blew them out in Rupp. And then when they lost the Texas game and they got hot, I mean, they, they won from 14 and six. They went nine and one the rest of the regular season, then won the SEC tournament. And almost all of those outcomes are double digit wins with the exception of Auburn, where they had a huge lead and held on, Arkansas, where they shot the best they've ever shot in their entire lives from three in the first half, then held on and won. Um, and the and the Kentucky game in the SEC tournament, which is no crime to beat those guys by seven. So I mean, there's just there was not a we uh, after that Texas game, which that too was a Tennessee comeback. So one team coming from behind in a furious kind of way in the end. I mean, there just wasn't a, we've got to have a bucket here to win this game. It just did not happen. Uh, they beat AM by 15 to win the SEC title. They, you know, of course you're a three seed. You're supposed to blow out the 14. They did that to Longwood. And then the Michigan game, which Tennessee lost by eight. So, especially when you've got no Kennedy Chandler, no here's the guy that gets the ball that creates and makes things happen. Are we going to have some conversation about uh, – Who is taking this shot, and how does this, not just the new guys, but like the entire team function in an end-of-game scenario? We got no reps at that. So that also, to me, is a let's put a pin in that. So the best thing that could happen Friday night on pay-per-view against Gonzaga in a game that apparently doesn't count is a super tight game that comes down to the finish, and we can just answer these questions right away, perhaps.
2: I'm sorry. If you're going to say Friday night on pay-per-view against Gonzaga, I need more Monster's Truck Rally voice in that, if you don't mind.
1: I think it's like, I have to look this up, so I'll, I'll, I'll look here in just a second, but I really do think it's like Dane Bradshaw and Gonzaga's play-by-play announcer, and the money goes to charity. That's like the low part of Friday, 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 all proceeds go to charity. for Like, it's a whole thing, which is awesome. And and t- we play Texas and the SEC Big Twelve thing. That's a huge game. We got to go to Arizona after last year. That's a huge game. The SEC is great. Uh, uh, you know, on, on it, when we have more time, we can have a who's the worst coach in the SEC conversation because that that's it's Jerry Stackhouse. But like after like, <laughs> that's a short that's a short list. Um, so like, and even he like I get I get what he's trying to do. Dress. So, so like th- we we don't need an increase in strength of schedule, especially for a team that's trying to get a one seed, you know, in this thing. But man, if you're going to play Gonzaga, let's count it. Like let's let's make it happen. We got robbed of that game, like you know, a couple times with COVID, and and they couldn't get a thing rescheduled. So anyway, that's 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 me and my feelings.
0: So I. I yeah how does pay-per-view even work nowadays isn't everything pay-per-view I mean <laughs> you, you got to pay for a stream or something so it's like a single event stream is that is that how they're doing this I mean yes so it's like that that is just weird to me
1: and it's in it's in Texas too by the way it's not it's <laughs> it's not uh... Yeah. I'm I'm looking. It's it's yeah. weird. Uh, oh, sorry, I was actually
2: I was I'm actually looking at the uh, athletics coaching tiers because the stat comment reminded me. Who's um, Lamont Paris? This is if you're looking for the exact moment when I realized that Frank Martin's no longer in South Carolina, it's right here. It happens right now on this podcast. <laughs> um, and apparently, Lamont Paris idea. is South Carolina's new head coach. And cool. I don't know who that person is, but they're apparently on the same tier stack. <laughs>
1: uh, he's at uh, Chattanooga. He was at Chattanooga.
2: Oh, okay. All right. That actually make, kind of makes sense. And then there's um, Dennis Gates who replaced Conzo at Missouri, and Todd Golden, um, who, after what, Mike White? No, I'm the guy who was in Florida went to Georgia.
1: Yeah, Mike, yeah, yeah. Mike. Like, that's the other fun. Mike White. Thing to get there. Yeah. Mike White yeah, like, got I don't understand what happened.
2: Like, I don't, like, yeah, like, is the parking better? I don't know why you'd make a ladder. I don't know why you'd make that move.
1: <laughs> that's a, um, it's a Tubby Smith move. That's a, we got to, you know, we got to get, get out of here situation. Yes.
2: All of, speaking of got to get out of here, uh, all of these coaches are below paying Hardaway on the athletic <laughs> tier. in tier four <laughs> of these coaches. Um, if you're looking for where we would, where we might think about rating them relatively speaking, uh, Rick Barnes is in tier two. For those of you who are curious, there are 131, there are 131 coaches. Um, we have not given you all of them. It's okay. Um, and I feel like we take that for granted sometimes. Honestly, it's like, oh yeah, no Barnes is here. Like, How is he? He's really good. How much do we talk about him? Not a whole lot. He kind of exists. And you look at like other like, coaches that are in that that are in that range like chris beard gets a, chris beard gets a lot of press he's over he's over at texas um kind of the one to pop one that pops out like bruce pearl has very similar results and like 40 percent more airtime <laughs> um and it's kind of interesting like of <laughs> i mean it is now right like we Like that is a we are not replicating that discussion this point this point in the
1: podcast. Um, But that's another. My God, we'll get him next time. Like, yeah, just beat that. But
2: like, there are, um, and then like, so it's what like Barnes, Pearl, Musselman, Calipari, probably the top four, something like that, in some form or fashion. And it feels like you'll talk about Calipari more. You'll talk about Pearl more for sure. I think Musselman gets a little more press. Because I think he's a little more of an exciting coach, for lack of better wording. Um, like Barnes clearly still has a lot left in the tank, but like it's not—it just kind of exists, which is which is like which is fascinating. And I think I mentioned this last year, and it's worth bringing up again. Like Tennessee's basketball program. Um, for those of you who are close to entering college and have somehow stumbled across the podcast. Uh, You probably don't remember a time when Tennessee had a bad basketball team. That's really weird. Everybody currently on this podcast. (laughs) Um, And like, at some point, if you're good for long enough, you level up.
0: Um,
2: We talked about like going back to the Oregon football team, right? Like they were kind of hit or miss pre 20th, 21st century, really. And then like, they've been good for so long. They're like, we don't think about how they were in the seventies. It's the same deal. And like, that's really cool. We, it's easy to take that for granted, right? But it's important to remember that, like, hey, this isn't like, this isn't, this is enjoyable. The fact we're actually having this, we're actually having a discussion about, okay, who takes the last shot to potentially like win the SEC tournament, right? Who would take the last shot to get to the Elite like when we talk about who takes these last shots, it's not like, "Hey, who takes the last shot on February fifteenth against Vanderbilt in that awful, awful um, arena of theirs?" Um,
0: it's the upside. Like, down. That's not really what
2: we're talking about. Yeah, that's not <laughs> what we're talking about, right? Like we're talking about like who's the guy you put like who's the who's the guy with the ball in the hands to get the to NIT, and that's a much different conversation than who's the guy that gets to the NIT. And we've absolutely had right. the other conversation. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, It's past my curfew. Um, So we're going to wrap up this episode of the game day on Rocky Top podcast. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to everybody for watching. Um, We love you guys. Thanks. Um, So we will catch you uh, next time and stay tuned for a few minutes of bonus coverage while I eat some more high chews. So see you next time. So yeah, I was gonna say, uh, um, we we didn't do this, but uh, hat guy um, likes Tennessee by 11 over Kentucky and by 20, over South Carolina and 24 over Missouri and 42 over Vandy, which I actually forgot forgot to run because I, I <laughs> forgot you know, we weren't actually playing. <laughs> yeah, we're that's the that's the best time we're back. Like, oh yeah, i will play it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then he's also got us uh, losing by 20 to Georgia. But as he, as Will pointed out last week. You know, there is no comp for us uh, when you're talking about good defenses. We haven't really had a defense stop us. So, we don't know whether the number one defense in the nation can stop us, even if they are holding people to nine points. doesn't mean they'll hold us to nine points. The comp
1: for us is Ohio State, like, that that would be such a fun, you know, playoff. Uh, I want to. You want to work out? I I, don't want to know all time (laughs) against them thing. I don't want to put that on the line, but like truly, I mean, that's, that's the comp Ohio state would be the the comp offensively and there's not anybody else in the same stratosphere. I'm
2: I'm going to run Ohio state. State. I'm going to do something very stupid for things that go into bonus content. But I have said this before the Alabama game. um, So I may as well get very stupid about it. Um, I thought we lost Alabama and beat Georgia. No, I said that like, Two days before Alabama.
1: I, I mean and, that's the question, right? Is we if we get up we were up eighteen on Bama and they erased it, you know, in, in four days. That's drives. What, yeah,
2: and that's where I'm that's where I'm going with that. We whipple balled Georgia last year. For what, twenty minutes?
1: Yeah.
2: There's no reason why we should have done that. Like, that should not have happened. Um I remember <clears> at <throat> one point, like, I was just out calling. Kirby on like whenever Tennessee had the ball, and they just didn't have the guys.
0: Yeah, and the thing that I usually worry about with uh, Georgia is, is uh, you know, disrupting the timing of the offense. But the offensive line just seems to be doing such a good job of uh, picking up blitzes, um, pass protection, giving Hooker enough time. So, and, and I think our guys, our receivers, can win one on ones against their DBs. So. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be close. Uh, I don't think it's going to be 20 points. Um, they're they're going to be the favorite for a reason. But hey, did you guys see on uh, SI they did their uh, projected 12 team uh, playoff thing, and uh, Tennessee was the number one overall seed based based on what they uh, okay. based on based on what has happened so far. Uh, so they sort of projected that they'd win uh, against Georgia and win the SEC championship, and and if you do those two things, then that sort of makes sense. But
2: I mean, there's an argument. Tennessee's the best team in the country right now. I don't know if I believe it necessarily, but there's an argument for it.
0: Yeah, best resume. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, like that's like it's, sure. yeah, it's best resume and highest peak. Like it's some combination of the two. Um, I don't know if I necessarily believe it. Like, I can't look past the, like, I can't look past the past defense in that scenario, but, like, that's pretty good. <laughs> like, right. Right <laughs> like, here for the bonus content, hard-hitting information, like, hey, how are they? It's
1: They're like, good. good. That was pretty great,
0: yeah. Is it hard? Is it harder for us to really enjoy it? I, I can tell, Will, that you're enjoying it. And I, I wonder if that has to do with you being back in Knoxville and feeling all of the extra hype from, you know, bandwagon fans. Because, you know, <laughs> up here, we're, we're starting to see more orange on the streets and stuff, too. Uh, but not nearly what, like what it probably is in, in Knoxville. And for me, it's just like, it, it's almost so hard to believe that you can't enjoy it because, because you don't believe it all. I don't know. Is I, that just me and my think, leftover brain yeah. injury or what?
2: Uh, I don't know if it's that. I'm actually gonna give you the another like non Knoxville perspective. I think yeah. for those of us who have been around a while, and like Joel and Will, y'all remember some of the conversations that we were we had around like early era Butch Jones. Um, I think I remember I remarking I remember remarking at one point to Will when we hired Jeremy Pruitt. like, well, we're back here in three years. Okay. Like, just going through that for so long, I do think there's part of it that's like, is this fleeting?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, And I think that's the, like, we don't, Joel, you and I don't get that, like, reinforcement of being around all of the other fans who kind of, like, see we're back. And like, I mean, you've been watching football for a while, right? Like, at what point during the Alabama game did you look and go like, wait a second, this isn't a mirage. Yeah. Right, because everyone had that moment.
0: Yeah. All right. Have just the like, refs actually left the field? You're right. Oh, uh, they
2: did. They ran off. They ran off scared, actually. After. Yeah, they did.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did. I know. They just bolted. I was
2: <laughs> I, I, like what are I the guys, what it. are the guys is like did like the thing you like joke about when you're trying to flee from a bear and you just like knock the other guy in front of the bear, so you're fine.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, Knoxville's great. The, uh, now again, I haven't lived here in 16 years, so maybe this happened in 16 years, but I doubt it. It's the, it's the Monday through Friday car flags. That's how, you know, not people put the flags on their car on Saturday. That's great. But the, but the, I'm not taking this flag off my car that that's, that's great. Uh, I mean, it's all great. I, I still think it's the, we skipped at this point, multiple steps. So there's, we didn't, we didn't level up to this. We just, we were here and now we're way over here and there's not a, and, and I think a lot about too, we talked about this maybe two podcasts ago when Texas beat Oklahoma, like a drum, like that great, good for Texas, you know, great for them, whatever. That option has not been available to us because our biggest rivals have won like eight national championships in the last 15 years. So yeah. we've had no opportunity. Butch could, I mean, we can relitigate all that stuff uh, if you want to sometime, but like maybe Butch's team should have beaten Florida like a drum uh, a time or two instead of only beating them once period. But like we couldn't have the, well, we went seven and five, but we beat the crap out of Florida. That option was not available to us. Certainly not with Bama. We never had an individual player rise to the level of, you know, I mean, Josh Dobbs was one of the best quarterbacks in America, the tail end of 2016, but it was already, it was over by then. Cordero Patterson, you know, uh, there was one year flash and gone. And we're more worried about, you know, firing the coach, all that stuff. So none of these little things along the way, some of them were just not even available. And now we've got all the things, to where? I mean, that's why I said in the non-bonus content, like, Hendon Hooker is a bigger favorite to win the Heisman maybe more than Peyton Manning ever was, like this week. That's crazy, yeah. and it's like an anecdote, you know, uh, with, with all of the other stuff that's happening. So, I, I think it's great living here. It's great week to week. Um, we should enjoy it, but I do think, too, just we need we need the season to end and it not to end with a, a catastrophic injury or oops we lost close games to Kentucky, Georgia and South Carolina or we lost to Kentucky and Georgia and then we're disinterested and got blown out in the Sugar Bowl you know like we we need the full thing to end and be able to look at it and say this is beautiful and good and true and right and going forward, we have all the reasons to be confident. So I, I think that's part of it is we just need – we need the clear you have left the wilderness point, which obviously we have. We're third in the country. But, like, it's, it's you know.
2: Hey, Texas A&M started the season
1: with ranked sixth.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, it,
0: it is definitely past my curfew time now. Um, so I'm going to hit this end recording button, see what it does.